0: Rejection most times is the redirection we need to unlock our truest potential. Life puts us in some uncomfortable and unexpected situations despite our efforts and plans. So how do we look at failures as opportunities? How do we deal with life's uncertainties, identify some losses as wins, all while not labeling ourselves as total losers or failures? You'll find out right here on Redirection with Terry Carell. Hello, hello. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Redirection with Terry Carell, the podcast. I know I can't believe we're back. Can't believe I was away for so long. Like, why did I do this to you guys? Why did I do this to me? But I want to thank you for the encouragement. I want to thank all of you who bad me up and asked me to get it going, because now that we have started, it feels so good. I hope you enjoyed the opening episode last week and we just have so much more for you. The podcast is brought to you by MasterCard in association with Heineken 00 because in all of these conversations, we always want to talk about the meaningful experiences. We want to also pull out the priceless moments. And with Heineken 00, they also want to remind you that now you can. Terry Carell is the name. You can find me across social media at Terry Carell, and you can also find out more about me at my website, uh, terrycarell.com. If there's anyone you know who you know has an amazing story of redirection, up and down hurdles and challenges, send us an email. You can also find that on my website, and we will ensure that we follow up. We want you to be a part of the conversation, so please, if there's any guest, any episode that resonates with you, share it on your platforms and don't forget to use the hashtag TKRedirection. So, the person in my redirection seat today is someone who we always see in the public space. And I've had the opportunity of hearing him um, address audiences either as a keynote speaker or maybe he's just there to give some opening remarks. But it's his story that has fascinated me over the years. Uh, He had a mom who was a street sweeper, started out as a street sweeper, but from very young, he learned that it's an honest living is what is most important. And so now he has risen through the ranks he's an attorney at law and he's now the newly minted state minister in the ministry of foreign Affairs and foreign trade and this is his very first interview as such i am so pleased so honored to have the conversation with the minister the honorable alanda terrellong season two of the redirection with terry carell podcast is brought to you by mastercard in association with heineken zero zero I don't know if you can tell how excited I am to have you here in the redirection seat. Minister Terrellong, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Lady Carell. It's my pleasure to be here and um, good day to your viewers as well and listeners.
0: Thank you. Now, it would be remiss of me to have you on the program and not say, Bienvenido, es un placer tenerle conmigo.
1: Ay, guapa, el placer es el mío para estar aquí contigo. Y vale, pues todo el mundo, sabes. Es un placer, es un honor. Y, Entonces,
0: habla, tú hablas con H, H, me encanta. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching and you're listening, the great minister doesn't just speak Spanish, but he also speaks French. So, allow me to try to say, Bienvenue, c'est un placer.
1: Le placer es el mío, madame.
0: My word. Did you ever know that you would be here? as a polyglot, as a world traveler, as not only the recently minted state minister within the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and Foreign Trade, you just came mm-hmm. from the um, the Ministry of Culture, Gender, Entertainment and Sport. And of course you also have so much experience and expertise within the Ministry of Education, Youth and Information. Like, mm-hmm. Did you see yourself here?
1: So I saw myself here, but the journey might have been a little different. So I always knew that after law, I would have entered the field of diplomacy. And I always envisioned myself as being the high Commissioner of Jamaica to the United Kingdom, you know, so- Big um, Farin. Yeah, big (laughs) Farin. You know, So I, have I've positioned myself over the years just mm-hmm. to achieve that. So for example, you know, I've been going to law school and, you know, working for a while. Then in 2008, 2009, I went into my master's in international relations yes. in the UK, because ultimately I wanted to have that connection with the diaspora, you know, and then I um, would have gone to Spain and, you know, just to working in Spain and, you know, strengthening my Spanish as yes. well. So I kind of took the view that um, at the time I didn't see representational politics, mm-hmm. but I did see serving ultimately maybe through the Senate but I knew that from a diplomatic perspective, I wanted to be a diplomat, a career diplomat, in the years to come.
0: And what was appealing about that? What was important, or what was it that you saw or that you were exposed to that made you say, this is something that I want to pursue? Even if I don't know exactly what mm-hmm. it would look like, what 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 compelled you? Well, you
1: know, for me it's about positioning Jamaica on the global stage. You know, Jamaica has a rich and diverse culture Absolutely. and history. And you know, I mean, you know, to quote the United Nations Secretary General from our discussions when he was here earlier this year, you know, he says, Jamaica has truly invaded the world hmm. with its culture, you know, and I have always fancied myself as being a global ambassador for Jamaica. So I must say, you know, thanks to the most honorable prime minister, Andrew Holness, you know, for having that sort of confidence in me at this point in my career to say, you know what, let's transfer him to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs you know let him be that ambassador for Jamaica and of course you know I now have um, direct portfolio responsibilities for the diaspora Correct. which extends far beyond the three million people you know around the globe so it's it truly is an honor and um, and I and I remain committed to serve with humble pride
0: Oh absolutely and I mean I follow you on Instagram so I, I realize that you hit the ground running um, and and the, the, there's a there's a connection between uh, Minister Terrellong and I and, and even though I know him as Orlando I just I have to to, to respect the office is that Campion, we are Campionites. Yes. Hashtag red is strong.
1: Red is strong. Right? My sister.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> and 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 where I I really became fond of you and where I had a relationship with you and you were like a big brother to me was at uh, the company dance theatre with Tony yes. Wilson yes.
1: when we were preparing you for Miss World. Go, yes. Right. I Shadowland. Right. Yeah, and, and soundtrack.
0: <laughs> right. So so we have we have a lot of um, connections, uh, but there is something about you and your stories and everything single time I've had the pleasure of being in spaces, whether I'm hosting an event and you happen to have five minutes or 15 minutes at the lectern, it's always what you say. And there are two specific things that I've always heard you speak about, and I want us to speak about it here. Right. Um, one, you've always spoken about the importance of working honestly. Mm-hmm. Not being ashamed of working an honest job for honest living. And you always make reference to your mom, who i I'm, I'm, we're gonna definitely get into Miss Winsome. And then secondly, it has always been about your attitude about loving and appreciating and embracing who we are as black kings and queens. And yes. that is how you address us when you speak. Let us go back all the way to little Orlando. Yes. He's not a minister yet. Does not know about law or it may, may not have had his eyes set on law yet. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about Orlando as a boy growing up, what he saw, what he did.
1: Yeah. So my experience, my story, you know, started in Grand Spen. Yes. You know, um, an in inner city developing community in St. Andrew. And, you know, I grew up seeing my mom working very, very hard, mm-hmm. you know, and she did whatever she needed to do honestly to make sure that we all had a proper living you know she cared about her education or growth or development you know and if it meant that she was going to not eat any of the Saudi, you know or the bully beef mm-hmm. just so that we ate if it made if, if, if it meant that well there was no sugar in the tea but we were gonna have something warm to drink mm-hmm. you know and so my mom she um, she started out by um, being one of the street sweepers you know, again, honest living. So she got up early, about maybe like four or five o'clock in the mornings, went out there on Shortwood Road, yes. and she was sweeping the streets, you know, honest living. Then at one point she was selling her oranges, you know, and again, honest living. At another point, she was uh, making the porridge at Shortwood Basic School. So by the time I was three, between three and six years old at Shortwood Basic School, mommy was doing the porridge. She was like serving the porridge and so forth. And, you know, and then by the time I got to half a tree primary, she started selling at the arcade in a Tree, you know, and after that, she moved to downtown Kingston. So, but before I left a Tree Primary, before I started Campion, by then she had moved to the arcade. Mm -hmm. Um, We call it back market. Yeah, back market, absolutely. Back market, Tivoli Gardens and everything. And she sold panties and Um, you know, at Christmas, it meant that she'd probably have to maybe like sleep on a cardboard. You know, because during they the still Christmas, do. Yeah, they, they still, still do, do. <laughs> exactly. Because you know, during Christmas, you have to catch the early morning sale, the late sale, so you're not leaving downtown Kingston wow. at all. You know, so sometimes you be down there maybe like three nights straight. You know, and so my mom taught us that mm-hmm. if you want, we didn't was off a run. Hmm. You know, I and she taught us the value. There you go. She taught us the value, T.K., of hard work and honest living, mm-hmm. and that you do what ever task you need to to the best of your ability so if you're going to sweep the streets you make sure that so your spot at the road is excellent pristine the, the, there you go you know and if you're going to sell make sure you interact with your clients you know you interact with your customers and you give them Good products because merchandise quality. quality must be important as well. You know, so that's how we were raised. Mm-hmm. You know, so throughout my time at Half-A-Tree Primary and at Campion College, I was taught the value for good education. So my mom taught us that one, and education is the best gift you can give to your children. Amen. So there were times when we'd be like, so mom, we can't come downtown non-state. She said, listen to me na no, man, i na no, no, go school. Pick up your book. You're not to take your book. Mm-hmm. Me, we sell downtown, you take your book. Mind you, there were times when... Um, when she got to the Falmouth Market, we'd go. To, we'd go with her. Some, yes. you know, We'd leave like a Tuesday night, sleep in the back of the van. You know, for about them times here, maybe about four hours to go to Falmouth Market. Wow. And then um, you would wake up, obviously, and then you know you start selling the selling like little items like the t-shirts and so forth in the market. So that was really fun. Um, my father, his part again, value of hardware. My mm-hmm. father's an ex police officer. Yes. You know, he left the police force and then he bought a bus. He ended up buying two buses. One of them he drove for himself. You know, so he was driver. Sometimes my brother and I, you know, we'd end up maybe being conductors and everything, you know, wanna move, wanna move. School, <laughs> a smile upon yourself, go down at the back. You know, fears, fears, fears. you know. And um, so growing up was really interesting. And entrepreneurial. Know? Yeah, very, very, you know, so much so that I remember when we left Grand Spain, we were living by my grandmother's house, um, crossroads yes. side, you know, so we could walk to Caribbean know, watch the Kickers and a Saturday morning martini. What? And my grandmother, shared had a plum tree so when I was going to camp here now, you know, I would go up, I'd pick the plums, yeah, and I'd put the plums in the newspaper. Yes. Later on in biology, by fifth form, we kind of learned the whole process of I'd, whatever it was fermentation called. Was it was it was upside- it was fermentation. Fermentation. Like <laughs> and you know, we'd wrap up the plums in the newspaper, yes. you know, and then I would make them ripe. And I'd put them in little bags and everything else and stuff, and I would sell them at camp and a little extra money. And even when I was at law school now, fast forward to Cave Hill campus in Barbados, I would buy donuts. Yeah, and, and from sell. the supply and sell back on campus and make a little extra money. So I learned all of those things. It's entrepreneurial, doing what you need to do and honest living. And also of course, you know, being completely focused on your education. So those are the values I learned from my mom beautiful, and my dad. Beautiful,
0: beautiful. Like the question that I have for you, um, and it's it's interesting because the dynamics of even when you speak to young children, Noah, these yes. days, um, highly materialistic, they know brands, they know the value of brands, they want certain kinds of brands. Um, And a lot of the time, there's a lot of competition and comparison. Mm -hmm. It happens with children, with teenagers, with adults. While you were transitioning from halfway through primary to Campion College, and I don't know if it was the same for you as it was for me, but Campion College was a shock for me. Brilliant, brilliant students, oh yeah. But it was the first time I was going to school and seeing children with drivers and seeing privilege and understanding that there were people living at a level that I thought only happened in the movies. It it was a real shock to me. And I'm coming from a girl who took the bus when I was at St. Andrew Prep School. So talk to me about the transition Mm -hmm. and the dynamics of coming from a family, humble beginnings, doing what you have to do, you know, banning your belly, not complaining, to this world where everyone seems to be absolutely rich. Mm-hmm. And that, did that ever impact your self-esteem mm-hmm. as a youngster coming into yourself and discovering yourself? Mm-hmm.
1: All right. So in terms of self-esteem, what I would say is that it made me realize that I needed to work harder, mm. you know. So in terms of material or material things, in terms of money, you know, I knew that I could beat them right here because mm. Campion is highly competitive, as Hi. you know, highly competitive. I mean, even half a tree primary, I was, you a know, top student, you know, and I got to Campion. I remember my first, my, my first term, I got an 8-8 average and I came 16th in class. Oh, and that was shocking for me because- I got
0: a 96 and I came 8th. <laughs> Jesus Lord, I came
1: 8th. Okay. And now I'm <laughs> coming from halfway through where I'm number one, I one, maybe two, you know, and now 16th in class. So I knew I had to work harder. Mm. Um, material wise, you know, I remember going to a friend's house and realizing, hang on a second, they have their own room. Brother and sister, them have their own room. Separate room, as opposed to you know, it was me, my brother, my two sisters. At one point, four of us in one room. You know, sharing everything. I was like, yes, you know that was a that was a big culture shock. Or another culture shock was because my parents weren't married at the time. My parents mm-hmm. got married when I was nineteen. Oof. But at Campion, you realize that people had the same last name. You know, it was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It Born was Mr. and the Mrs. Fam. Reed. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hold on a second. So like, what's well, so the marriage thing? Got? <laughs> you know, so, you know, those things for me were shocking. You know, people had like swimming pools and they were going to piano lessons. I mean, I said, what piano? Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Like growing up. So that for me was a shock. But I knew that to get to that level, it was education, mm-hmm. you know. And so, yes, you know, we had friends and... um Life at campaign it wasn't difficult, mm-hmm. you know, but you had to realize the value of you. Mm. And I think that's what's missing from much from, from of our youth um, yeah. these days. You know, they don't understand the value of self, mm-hmm. their own self-worth. And so I decided a few years ago that in my address to them, I started to address, to them, as, to address them as young kings, kings and, and young and queens. Yes. You know, and I wanted that to resonate with them. You know, and a big problem in Jamaica, we don't speak about it a lot, you know, but there is colorism in Jamaica. Shh. <laughs> You know, I mean, we have young boys and young girls who are left to believe that I'm somehow ugly or I don't belong or I'm not as worthy, you know. And there is this thought that, you know, maybe lighter is better. Again, we don't speak about it, but it manifests. Of course, it manifests in the skin bleaching. There's a reason why skin bleaching is a phenomenon in Jamaica. I had three young men in my office this year. This is the constituency office, TK. Mm -hmm. And one of them, I didn't recognize him. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to the other two and I said, but where was the third guy that you all came here with, because I had assisted them with their CXC's a couple years before. Right. I said, where's the third guy? Them said, which third guy? Mr. Terry Lang, see C- 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 me here. And I said, no, man, he was a dark guy. And I said, Mr. Terry Lang, no, man, if it touch up my face and everything, catch but my right collar, you know? And I said, okay, because I did not recognize him. And they said, so Mr. Terry Lang, you never yet rub. And I said, no, guys never used to rub
0: in the nineties, early two, guys never used to rub. Correct, but that is the normal, you know. It was a
1: culture shock for them because for them, guys rub, girls rub. They could not understand or appreciate a Jamaica where skin bleaching was not so much of a fad. You know, and so I thought that, you know, in addressing them, letting them understand, you know, the great history and magnificence mm-hmm. of Mother Africa, you know, their true legacy, where they're the from. The beauty of their but blackness. We don't know. We have so many educated Jamaicans who don't know about the ancient civilizations of Benin, mm-hmm. you know, the ancient, that, 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 that great Yoruba, Nigerian culture, they don't know about the great civilizations in Egypt, you know, so the great libraries of Kenya.
0: So what do we do? Is this something that we need to, do we need to, for example, overhaul what we believe they must know? So for example, in school, if you speak to any child, they'll tell you math is important, English is important, biochem, phys, mm-hmm. math, they call out all IT, they call out all of these different subjects, but no one speaks of history. Yes. No one speaks of civics, something that my mother will tell you she had to study and Mm -hmm. generations before me, but by the time I got to school, we weren't doing civics. You know, what do we need to do to start those kinds of conversations and that kind of um, self-awareness? from Mm -hmm. early, where do we, where do we go? Where do we start? So
1: I would recommend, okay, so civics is back on the agenda. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that this administration has recognized is uh, the importance of civic, you know, taking pride in oneself, taking pride in one's country. And just, you know, that kind of social awareness. But I believe it would be monumental for us to introduce Marcus Garvey's teachings Mm -hmm. in our schools. You know, I mean, he's, left up, he's, he's left us so many gems, mm-hmm. you know, that would um, sort of instill that sense of, that, that pride of place and and knowing that this right here is your crown, you know, this is all your glory and, and, and just all history ancestry, but of course, you know, so that sort of black pride, I think it would be good mm-hmm. because it sets the foundation you know, once you have that foundation set for pride in oneself and self-worth, then you will see it manifest across all the sort of um, avenues to it would secure spread. nation building. It would spread like a so virus. So I think that would be, for me, I would, I would do that, make it a little different by including Garveyism
0: in school. What advice do you have for youngsters, whether boys or girls, mm-hmm. whose parents trying their best mm-hmm. with what they can and what they have And yet, still, they now go into schools and spaces, and of course, they're so much more exposed. Social media, Mm -hmm. what's fad, what's not viral, you know, what is hot, what is not trending. What advice do you have for them in terms of not getting distracted and not Mm -hmm. feeling embarrassed by where you're coming from, but using that as fuel? What what you were able to do?
1: You know, I would say to them, you know, first of all, thank your parents. Thank your parents for going out every single day. Whether mommy is selling a newspaper on the street, whether, whether whether your daddy is pushing the peanut cart, you know, I mean, whether they're working in a corporate job, thank your parents for doing what they need to do to take care of you. You know, life begins with being grateful. So that sense of gratitude You know, and then you must have belief in yourself and your abilities and tell yourself that, you know, I used to tell myself that I'm going to be the one to buy my mother a big house. I'm going to be the one to buy my mother a car. And I never needed to, you know, because again, she was so committed. You know, it didn't matter to her that she was selling brassiere and selling panties downtown Kingston. She knew that she was on a mission and she bought her own house. She bought her own house, you know, but that belief that she left in us to believe in ourselves and to stay on course, because at the end of the day, you know, the the, the sky's not the limit. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to say that the sky is but a pathway to an endless universe of success, but you have to put in the work you know, and again, just, I think that air of gratitude is what's missing. Also, don't get caught up in the hype because I can yeah. tell you this. You know, enough <laughs> people, you might see them in a where say, boy, yeah are the latest name brand. You know what some people do, especially when you're watching like the TikToks and the IGs out of the US. They will go to the store, they will get the latest name brand, the tag is tucked in somewhere, they take the photos, you know. <laughs> I have never, seen girls- They return it. There, there you go. I've they're seen they're girls take up the
0: shoes. <laughs> And they take the pictures
1: and then everything is returned. And they
0: go right back and return it because in the States, the return policy is extremely easy. Yes. So don't get caught up in the hype.
1: You know, I mean, so even my, I mean, you know, my wife and I, we have three children and we don't raise them in the brands. You know, is ordinary clothes, best value, best price, quality is important. But they're not, they're not wearing a name brand right. simply because, well, that money could be used to foster their education. You know so um that's really would be my advice to them don't get caught up just believe in yourself your self-worth mm-hmm. and work towards what you have so don't read the eye my grandmother know she would say that don't put your at where you can't reach it and mm-hmm. don't read the eye you know work hard for what you want and you know focus on your education and if you're going to think about material wealth material wealth really is Having sufficient funds in the bank, yes. and buying a house so that you have a shelter, and hmm. a house is the best investment. And even for not the younger ones, but like our university students or those, you know, young, Correct. young, 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 uh, young professionals, your house is the best investment that you could buy. Yes, you want a car because you want to move around, etc. But remember that a car is a depreciating asset as well. You know, but the house is the ultimate goal to say that yes, I have my own space yeah. in Jamaica that belongs to me as well.
0: And it sounds as and it sounds as if we, you know, what, what we're trying to say is that you also have to be just very grounded. Um yes there's always going to be a trend. There's always going to be a hot topic. There's always going to be some challenge that people are going to try to convince you to do. And you have to, again, going back to the self-awareness that you spoke of, it has to go back to you being grounded in self and knowing what is right for you. Yes. What is attainable for you? What is Mm -hmm. achievable for you? And if they want to do it, you have to be able to say, that's okay, that's your thing. It does not necessarily mean it's mine. But on this road, on this journey, your professional journey, on your academic journey, what has been one of the biggest challenges that you felt you had to really dig down deep to Mm -hmm. overcome?
1: Um, I would say racism in Europe. You know, so, I mean, I mean, Campion was good. One of the, two of the best years of my life, um, living in Barbados, you know, finishing my, finishing my law degree in Barbados. Um, you know, again, you know, just being in the Eastern Caribbean, meeting more of our neighbors. I'm very big on travel. And connection. Yes, very, very big on travel and recognizing that I'm a global citizen. Yes. You know, yes, I love Jamaica. Jamaica is home, Jamaica will always be home, but it is good to know how the other thinks, feels, et cetera, what matters to the other, you know? So at the end of the day, I I pride myself on that. Um, I did get a rude awakening though, Mm. you know, being in Europe and, you know, I got the Shevding scholarship. I did my masters at at Warwick University. And um, I remember this was 2008, you know, Barack Obama was president of the free world. And That's a big we deal. Went, a the big entire deal.
0: shift, the world moved, everything froze. Absolutely.
1: And here I was, a black boy from Jamaica being kicked out of a party because, um, as, as the young lady told my friend Lucy, you should have known better than to bring a black boy to my house. You know, and I'm thinking, what, what the hell? I mean, I don't know if I can say that. Yes, you, yes, you can. Oh, I can? Okay, sorry. <laughs> you know, and Terry, it to me to the core. I spent about three days just kind of going through my it and bawling. And I'm like, people really have to confront. So it's one thing, you know.
0: It, you hear it and you know it exists yes,
1: in the world somewhere. But for it to be thrown right in your face, you know, like that. So for me, it was just um, recognizing that I was living in Western Europe where my rights and freedoms were perhaps not necessarily the same as if I were in Jamaica and just recognizing that, well, this space is not necessarily home,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: Um, and then even when I moved to Spain as well, I had to deal with that because in Spain now, you know, the, the there, there's a perception that you're black, you're an illegal immigrant, you know. Correct. Which, again, migration is something I will have to discuss in terms of how the world views black migrants versus how they view white, white migrants. correct. And that's just a conversation that we can have comfortably. And even when you look at the war in Ukraine, as to how Ukraine and refugees and the response, were received the response, and the, the global yes, response yes. versus... Refugees from Sudan, for example, you know, or the Cameroons and, and, and African countries. So I had to deal with that in Spain. The police officers, they would stop you, you know, and they'd like speak to you like you're, you're like a little boy, you know, like the translation should be like, yo, you boy, like, show me your papers. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you'd show them your residency card, you know, La Targenta Residencia. Right. And they look at it like yeah, but how you forget this? Like, no, I'm aware if some more questions, mm. you know? So you're profiled. Um, but course, you you're profiled. You know, you're walking behind the lady, you know, TK, and she look around and she realized that there's a black man walking behind her. And the first thing she'd do, she grab her bag. she put the bag into a con and go against the wall. And she's completely terrified. You know, people are afraid that you're somehow going to, like, grab their bag. You know, you're coming you're up. You're a criminal. Um, yeah.
0: You represent criminality
1: because and that's their perception because of this beautiful black skin here you know so
0: how did you reconcile that knowing what you know mm because you know that you're a king you know that you are valued and you are seen within jamaica within the eastern caribbean amongst your family and friends you know this you know that there is worth and everywhere you trod your foot there is greatness Mm -hmm. and excellence where it is And yet you confront this and it is so difficult, even for some of the strongest students to have to deal with this otherness and how people make you feel like the other person how did you cope considering you weren't just there for a day? Yes. You weren't there for two days. This, this is a place that became a temporary yeah, home two for years you, in Western two years, Europe. that's a long West. time. Mm-hmm. How do you, and, 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 uh, you know, if there are students who are watching, cause we do have Jamaican students and other Caribbean students all over the world, mm-hmm. how did you dig deep to stay focused? to stay distracted to not look for vices in other places and spaces that might have kind of mm-hmm. you know led you astray
1: it it you go back to your foundation mm. and this is why parenting is so important you know as parents we have to ensure that we instill the kind of values and morals and the belief system in our children so they know that they deserve their space in this world. They know that they must take up space. They know that their voice matters. They know that their feelings matters. They know that they are worthy, Mm. you know? And that was the kind of foundation that I drew upon living in Western Europe, knowing that, yo, I am miss some son. What yeah, do you mean? Man. She yeah, come, yeah, will come yeah. from
0: so far. Yeah,
1: my mother never sailed downtown and left country and, and come from so far for make sure, I said, boy, I have a space in my world. You know, and so that was it for me. And I recall even um one of my professors in UK it was very interesting. One of the topics I did was Europe and the world. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, we were looking at CARICOM and we were looking at the EU, and I thought it was an important program, you know, for me simply because, you know, how do I position Jamaica in the world? You know, as my thought process right. as well. And um, I I remember him saying to me, he said, but okay, you're from the Caribbean. Like, why do you want to be in this class? Like, of what value is it to you? And I thought globalization, a global village, like my view of the world is not that myopic, you know? And it turns turns out, TK, I was the only student in his program that got a distinction and I got this fellowship to go and work at the think tank with him in Madrid. Kidding. You know, but for him, it, it was just like- Mind he had to blown. It was so far Why this Caribbean young man want to be in this particular class, this political program, when there's when there are so many other modules that he could have done? And mm. turns out, I mean, I was invited down for the fellowship in Spain. You know, so thank you, Professor Youngs. You know, big up yourself.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. I think, but um, um,
1: but yeah, just foundation and just being grounded. You know, no, but you have to understand. You know, and this is why again, your is so important because unless you understand your history, your legacy, your self worth—not just of you, but your entire race—then you could you be, be easily lost, rattled. Easily, there you go, lost in this world.
0: Easily you know. rattled. Um, interesting. We're going to take the turn and we're going to come back to Jamaica because we just spoke about you know your experiences abroad and how how you had to confront racism and experience that firsthand. We mentioned colorism earlier, but let's just come back around. When did you start growing your locks?
1: So that's a very interesting story as well. So my lock journey started at university, you know, and um, it was literally, To my my way of rebelling against the system. Systemic racism Mm -hmm. is so embedded in our countries that we don't even realize it. Across the Caribbean, Latin America, it not only impacts how we feel about our own skin color, but also our hair texture. Here, of course. You know, and I remember being at Campion and white boys and Chinese boys, you know, their hair could grow down to here and, you know, them doing all kinds of things with their hair. And as black boys, it had to be the sort of unified. It had to be groomed, groomed, It had to be sort of unified. And I thought to myself, okay, but I want to grow a tail, you know, fine, my hair won't grow and fall like theirs, but I can grow a tail. And I remember, um, you know, Miss Barrett, God bless her soul, yes. lovely woman, strong yeah And I, I I appreciate her so much. But I remember Miss Barrett cutting it one time. Oh. I remember Miss Johnson cutting it another time. And I thought to myself, but. This is an unfair practice. So I was being viewed on the basis of my race, which was So you also were also being viewed hair. as
0: an other. But
1: of course, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I didn't like that. So the minute I left Campion, in, in fact, so for, I started growing my hair and for graduation, I had to, my, with my mom's help, I compressed it with a stocking foot because I was told that if, unless I cut, if I don't cut my hair, I can't graduate because it was oh. too high. And so we put in the aloe vera overnight and we and use a cool. stocking foot and we pack it down and compress <laughs> it and the graduation pictures look terrible. <husband>
0: by the way, I'm gonna go like but, search no, I'm gonna no, go search on him.
1: You know, but but for me it was making a statement. Yes. You know, that 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 as a strong black man yes, that my hair too has value, hmm. you know, and that I should not be treated any differently simply because of how my hair grows vis-a-vis, when, when you put it next to how Correct. a white boy or Chinese boy, how, how, how their hair grows. And then I started cornering my hair. And then I, you know, I kind of took this kind of black consciousness even mm-hmm. more deeper, you know, reading about Haile Selassie, you know, um, being more in tune with Marcus Garvey's teachings, you know, and doing my own reading, like Kwame and Krum and yes. all these guys and Sankara. And I thought to myself, Myself, no, I mean, like, this is powerful. We weren't taught about Sankara, you know, and Kwame. And, but and no, all these, but, but you know, you're I'm getting excited. And exci- yes. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to like reinforce all of this. Yes. And I thought my hair would be a powerful statement because <laughs> it's no, it's visual. You know, so nobody's going to know what's inside my head or inside my heart. But from a visual perspective, they know yes. where you stand. Of course, it's about the power of the black people, the black race, and what it means. you know, and so I started growing my hair.
0: Did you ever worry? Uh, considering you are aware of systemic racism, oh, yes. you are aware of the effects and the impact that colonialism yes. has left on us. You understand that there is always a when well, I say equal and opposite reaction to every mm-hmm. action. Yes, yes. And that in university, it's one thing. Usually we're on dorm, we're doing our thing. People grow their thing, they pierce, they do them tattoos. Yes. But then after university slash college, there is that professional world. Yes. And we understand, and a lot of us have experienced it, even in the country of Roots Rock Reggae, the country of Bob Marley, the country of, mm-hmm. you know, some of the greatest Rastafarians and even Rastafarianism as a religion. Yes. It's not accepted.
1: It's not. and uh, Did you yeah, ever worry? So I suppose I knew I had to fight the system. Mm. I knew I how to fight systemic racism, you know, and um, my mom was very, very worried. So when I finished law school, it took me over a year to mm-hmm. get a job you know and again i mean no, i would have represented law school you know i mean that's crazy in- internationally you know winning competitions winning um, several prizes while at law school as well you know but i remember this one company from the bvi at one of the top law firms at bvi corporate and they were really interested in me you know they loved me on paper they loved the interview and they said to the registrar they said look alanda Terrellong, we want him but he has to cut his hair,
0: oh.
1: and she told him. She said, ah, "I've spoken to him about this. He's not going to cut his hair, but non-negotiable." She told me, and I said, "Non-negotiable." I said, "Listen, you can tell them to shove their job, all right? <laughs> They're hiring politely, me and, politely. respectfully. I mean, you know, <laughs> the, I, I was being trained in diplomacy them, right? Of course. Because for me, it was about merit. Yes, it was about." competence, you know, and again, you know, kind of to segue into the politics thing, that's one of the things I respect about our prime minister. You know, he has placed me in the minister of education and youth which is the second most conservative ministry in the country. Correct. You know, knowing, you know, what others might have thought, you know, even within the wider professional circle Correct. about here and schools. And, you know, I mean, even though we have like a national grooming policy that says that no child should be discriminated against on the basis of here or religion mm-hmm. and so forth, it still happens in our still system. It's shameful. That Kensington example is something that it, it hurt my heart, but we can talk about that maybe another time, you know, but I know Minister of Foreign Affairs, you know, I mean, I'm working with Minister Johnson Smith, yes. the face of Jamaica, the face of Jamaica across the diaspora, et cetera. And again, it's about merit. And that's what we have to teach our children mm-hmm. and teach our society. But no, there was a discrimination. I mean, um, I wanted to work in several firms, but the answer was always no. We love Cotty him. Here.
0: He's amazing. He's right. an asset.
1: But Koti and I thought, no, if I have to fight this fight, for generations of Jamaican young kings and young queens to come, then so be it, you know, and again, the legal profession back then, very conservative. Because you they know, still you had,
0: are, but it was even worse back then. But of
1: course, you know, you had people who thought, yo, the judge now going to give you the decision in know, army with the clients and everything else. And my legal profession thrived. I mean, at the end of the day, I find our judges are very professional and irrespective of person's personal opinion in terms of, you know, um, how people should attire themselves. The law is the law. Correct. You know, so I had no difficulties in that Respect. Safe to say that it took me a while to get a job. That's crazy. um, And even in Jamaica, I recall going out. It was one one shaggy and friends, and we were in the VIP section. And um the, the waiter refused to serve me because, as far as they're concerned, you're not supposed to do over the section here. This is a, this is the rich people section. Or this is the money people section. And you don't have that look that the car would. You, don't fit in. Here, you're you suppo- know, You know,
0: you know, you know, fitting. Yes, Your staff.
1: Let me see your armband because you're not supposed to do over so You know, the manager came over and apologized eventually. But my thing is, you know, why do we, even as black people, you know, it's something I see as well, you know, how we view ourselves. Yes you know, is important because some of us view ourselves as in a sort of subservient way, like, I'm not supposed to do this or, oh, in this or, oh, she Martha. this or, Martha. you know what I mean? And that kind of background master mentality, some of us carry it to make our own black sisters and, then and we brothers, brothers feel and less then we than, and projected. Course, so how we see ourselves is also very, very important. And this is why for me, history, culture, mm-hmm. understanding where we're coming from would be a big assets to understanding where we can go.
0: I think what I've absolutely loved about you is that over the years you've been unyielding
1: and you've you've, uncompromising
0: unyielding unyielding, um, and relentless and I know that it can be particularly difficult being that when it when it feels that you are the one person or the one voice going up against a big Mm -hmm. system and I think I can I can relate with that when i entered mystery maker world in 2005 and mm. i remember i had my afro and i remember people came to me and said you know we like you but we don't and the judge is going to give it to you because you know yes. black, the here and the black and you can't be both there were people who came out and said we're rooting for you, black girl like we're rooting for you we don't know if they you're going to do it but we're rooting for you and there were people who said that you can't win mm. and i remember after winning and and heading into spartan health club the. Yeah, two days later, um, the lady. uh, There was a lady who greeted me, and she said, "Oh, this is the new Miss Jamaica um, World." And she came up to me, and you could see her look me up and down. And she, Mm -hmm. you know, she looking at me, and she said, "Oh, but," she said, "But you're not too bad." She said, "I saw the pageant on my TV, but I thought you had um, coarser hair, man. I thought your Afro was more." But now that I'm looking at you closer, you have pretty hair. And I was, I looked at her, and she stopped and she paused. And I believe she paused because she was expecting a thank you. I believe what she expected was that I would acknowledge it as a compliment. And for Mm-mm. me, it was not a compliment mm. because what she was saying is that when she saw me on TV and her perception of me was that I was a black girl with Afro hair, coarse hair, mm-hmm. winning the crown, it was unacceptable. But now that she has seen me up and close in person, she realizes, yes. but you can't pass cause you have a little, like a thing yes. and I remember, um, I can't remember if it was in parliament, but the conversation of hair, I don't know if it was because your hair wasn't covered, I cannot remember, but I remember that you have always spoken about locks being acceptable yes. in yes. any kind of space and having locks does not make it. Unprofessional.
1: Not at all, you know. And you're right. I recall I, for me, it was a protest statement. The the we have kids in schools who are told that they have to cover their hair. You know, there was a situation in Kensington where yes, the young girl I was remember. denied access. I mean, this is Jamaica, the land of reggae, the land of Bob Marley, the land of the land of Marcus Garvey. You know, I mean, like when you talk about tourism and brand Jamaica. People identify Lux and Bob Marley and, and, you know, with
0: Jamaica. It's our identity. It is in, it's, yeah, it,
1: it, exactly. This is, it is at the heart of our culture. And so I said, well, all right, fine. Well, all right, if our children have to be, if our children are forced to wear tams to cover their hair in, in some schools, then I'm going to cover my hair. So I wore a rasta tam to <laughs> parliament. That was it. you. Worked. And I said, but okay, I'm standing in solidarity with our students yes. who are forced to wear TAMs. And what people don't understand is that if you have to wear a TAM, you're outside, you're playing, your hair is going to be sweaty. It's not, going to, it's not going to smell so wonderful simply because you're covering and you're sweating and you're forcing children. Now, oh, that is what's not good hygiene for hmm. children, you know? And of course, you know, I was sent out of the chamber, yes, I had to take the TAM off or to come out. So I left the chamber. You left, I, but remember. I made my statement, hmm. you know? And I think that it's important for us in society. To recognize that we all have a voice, Mm -hmm. you know, and we cannot project that voice, you know, and we must ensure that we are in the right spaces to project that voice. So, even with politics now, so whilst I indicated earlier that, um, you know, my political journey, I saw myself perhaps, you know, Senator and then maybe, you know, foreign (laughs) affairs in terms of, you know, being a diplomatic posting and so forth. But I recognized earlier that. To be, you know, in, in order to make changes in Jamaica, mm-hmm. you have to have a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And I recall being in court and seeing, again, young black boys, you know, young black kings being given sentences, you know, for marijuana and marijuana and just basic offenses. I'm saying to myself, but these are some of the laws that we must change. Mm-hmm. You know, like one little spiff and you're going to like destroy someone's future. Because you don't have a record. But of course you have a criminal record. You know, you can't be to get a, for, a to get a job, you to get a job, etc. It's going to lead to- you
0: Income know. issues, socioeconomic factors it's a it's a hamster wheel. It
1: actually and it and that when we speak about intergenerational poverty, it also perpetuates that. You know, I've had clients over the years who, you know, father filing for them or mother filing for them, but guess what? They have a criminal record that's going to take ten years to be expunged because of a one space. And I thought to Miss Well, this is this is wrong. And then there are other issues that I'm very vocal on, you know, in terms of my writings when I was a guest columnist for both the observer and right. the Dino. You know, and I thought, but if I can champion these causes, you know, well then like even in terms of the 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 bodily autonomy of a woman. Hmm. You know, you have to be in the space where these conversations are being held. Change won't come overnight, but at least persons understand what your views are. So that you you can add a voice. Exactly, because it's all about advocacy. You know, in the same way I advocate for young kings and our young kings, the same way I will, because someone has to advocate, you Mm -hmm. know, for marginalized groups in the country, you know, and recognize that the sort of, in a global democracy, all views must contend and that everyone has their space, you know, and that personal views can't, Govern Correct. in that way, Correct. you know. And you have biases. to, but of course, you know, it's a it's a pluralistic world, and we have to take into consideration the others. And who is better placed to protect the rights of minorities than government?
0: There you go. Question for you: What does your mom think now after she's worked hard and she take if you take up your book oh and you know how does she feel? And daddy, um, mm-hmm. and siblings, how do they feel? to see the, the, the path that you've taken. And it's quite possible that yes, you would have had your career path and you did not go out in search of being an advocate or, or an activist or being the face of someone who represents pro-blackness. How does she feel and has she told you
1: you know, Miss Winsome is so proud. It's oh Winsome. my God. Listen, I remember even when I posted on IG um, about my, my my new position, yes. you know, I mean, and she commented on it, she said, boy, my picnic, you bring water to my eyes. You know, yes, my pitney, I'm proud of you. I may never waste my time <laughs> sending a good school Make you get education. You know, and you know, so it's just that knowing that your mom is proud, it mm-hmm. also affects how you go about your work day to day. You know, I mean, it. You know, and I tell anybody, you know, being a being a politician is not easy. You know, Terry, I mean, it is. It we, is we perhaps the most demanding job you could ever do. You know, imagine being a member of parliament and having carriage for a constituency with easily a hundred thousand persons. Some constituencies are bigger than others, you know, and you have to deal with people on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. You are there. I mean, road one, fix water, light. You have to work with the schools, making sure that schools have this. Everybody literally turns to you, you know, and yes, we have government agencies. There's a PATH program and other programs in place, (laughs) but it takes a while and not everybody is on the PATH program as well. And you are, as the member of parliament- You're you are the face of be fixing it. Durable. It's just
0: the fact of the matter is that we're you always are. going to be the face of fix it. And if there are issues or there are problems or people don't think that things are happening fast enough, yeah. even if it is an agency issue, it will always be the it face right of fix it. To,
1: it comes right back to you. That you being know?
0: said, have you, ever, have, it, have you ever gotten to a point of just saying, boy, I pick a bite off more than I can chew, you know, because I do understand. And even as you spoke about the spirit of gratitude earlier and having that spirit of gratitude is so important, but I also understand and I have seen where people have dedicated their lives in service off and still they will get the slap and still it will look as if you're not Mm -hmm. doing anything. Have you had those days where you're just like, you know, maybe I will just go on, be a good husband, could aff- be a good father, great lawyer, and just mm-hmm. leave that to someone else. Have you ever, and if you have, again, how do, how do you now get back on the horse and say, mm-hmm. all right, shake it mm-hmm. off, let's go again?
1: So what I will say is that there are times, you know, when, I mean, it becomes very, it like the, the days, some days are longer than mm-hmm, some some mm-hmm. days are far more stressful than yeah. others you know but again i go back to my roots i go back to that foundation and yes. i tell myself i knew why i entered politics and I'm not going to leave simply because, you know, maybe somebody might not have been grateful about something. Or because the truth is people go cross you, no matter what you do. You know, and as my and, and as my wife would say, you know, I mean, Jesus Christ did come for L people. To do good and crucify him. You know, but for me, it's knowing that I can mm-hmm. make a difference in the lives in particular. So my education program as a member of parliament, that is my pride and joy. I know it is. That is my pride and joy because, again, I believe an educated mind is the best. Weapon you can wield, yes. you know, and I want our young kings and queens to have that interface. You know, like I mean, you go to like so many awards ceremonies and parenting sessions, you know, across the constituency, and you have very few parents who show up. Yeah,
0: you know, and so many more children. You
1: know, TK, when you can tell a young king and a young queen that you know I'm proud of you and you give them a hug and they hug you and you know I mean and 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 they feel that sense of somebody cares about me or somebody's saying I am proud of me. I've had students who say they've never had a mom or dad Correct. to say I am proud of you I believe in you believe in yourself Correct. in
0: fact so there that was is a, the most
1: rewarding for me in
0: fact there there have been persons who I've interviewed and persons who I've encountered who have literally said that it was somebody else who who saved their life yes and when you ask them well what do you mean? A lot of them did not come from affirming homes, mm-hmm. did not have a mommy or a daddy who said, I love you, come yes. here. Uh, that the only contact or communication that happened was through a belt mm-hmm. or a switch or a a, a bat, mm-hmm. whatever it is that could inflict pain. And that it was a teacher. It was a, an elder from church. It was a neighbor. Yes. It was somebody who said, you are beautiful. You are brilliant. Oh my goodness, you did this? Mm-hmm that basically drove them to thinking that they, they could actually do it. And yeah. so I understand when you say that sometimes the hug or just the compliment yeah, or the affirmation mm-hmm. can really be the difference between a child losing his or her way and a child saying, well, maybe maybe I could be the yes. pilot or I could yes. be yes. the yes. doctor yes. or the artist. Do you know what I mean? Talk to me about Minister Terry as the father, mm-hmm. because a lot of the times, we become perceived by what we do mm-hmm. or the titles, the roles, responsibilities we have. So we see you as the attorney. We see you as the professional. Now, I see you as the dad all the time. Mm-hmm. I know that your um, your children are bilingual. I know that you've made it very, um, you know, it's, it's important for you to have them also become global citizens. Uh, talk to me about um, parenting and mm-hmm. probably the most priceless moment you can remember.
1: Well, the most priceless moment I can remember would be easily when Raquel gave birth to Alex. You know, it was being in the room, yeah. you know, holding her hand and just seeing his head come out. And, you know, like it's, it's just, it's, it, you're completely overwhelmed with emotions. You know, on the one hand, you know, your wife is screaming in pain. <laughs> on the other hand, yeah, and you're losing, you're losing, you're losing the well, circulation. You know? you know but then you're seeing the miracle of life unfolding in front of you and you know that you're a father you know you're now completely responsible for the growth and development of another human being and it was amazing you know and just seeing the nurses and the doctors you know clean him up and everything and then you know being taken into the room to hold him for the first time and just like whoa like i'm a father for me, this is now the the the, the, the most important responsibility or role mm-hmm. one could take on, you know. And so, three children later, you know, we've learned, you know, ups and downs in parenting because, again, you know, children will challenge you, <laughs> and uh, they will test this, your listen, nerves. And I must say this because, you know, of course, I watch you and your young queen as well, and I love <laughs> how you, you parent with her. Thank you know, she's you. she's a she's your child, but she's also your best friend. Yeah you know, and she's all, and you you feed ideas off of her as well because what a lot of people don't realize is that children are far more intelligent than we give them credit for. They're processing, assimilating. And they're so honest, Mm -hmm. like literally, you know, but what I will say to young people out there, all right, first of all, You know, I can't tell you how many children you must have, but what I will say to you is have the number of children you can afford to have. I will also tell you that parenting is not a joke thing. It is a serious, unending life, full-time life responsibility. You know, so your 20s, I would say your 20s are for you. You're supposed to be finishing university or whatever skills training. You're supposed to be saving some money. You're supposed to be looking about maybe like trying to get a house because it don't exist. Or make sense. entering the professional yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Travel, see the world, get a global perspective because, you know, it, it's a complete, it, it's completely unfair to have two children, three children, and you're literally at home with mother, father, grandmother, six people. 10 people in the one house and you're bringing the children there and then you i know you want to be a good parent but then you're unable to take as good as care as you want of them you know so i just want persons to be mindful of this and we do have parents and grandparents and girlfriends and boyfriends who pressure People just say, boy, now is the time, now is the time. Oh, yeah, when have you're going again. When you are ready. And this thing, yes. When you going oh, again. You need a girl. No, no. One Three child is no child. Need, no, we don't need, you know. So just be mindful of that. You know, have your children when you are ready. But at first make sure that you are ready that you've Mm -hmm. developed yourself you know both physically psychologically financially emotionally that you are ready to now take on the role of parenting and and even
0: partners and even and 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 to even add to that um also choosing partners that will also respect your decision as well in terms of you know you being able to tell your partner and to have honest open raw conversations that if he's ready Mm -hmm. and you aren't or she is ready and you aren't and you know that you guys are not based on all yes, of the factors yes. that you just spoke about. You know, those are red flags mm-hmm. that I think we need to have more conversations like that with our children mm-hmm. about those red flags mm-hmm. because we don't always, we're not taught how to recognize those flags yes. and how to tell people mm-hmm. who we love, our partners who we want to please, yes. no. It's not time. And as
1: a society, we need to stop. You know, there's this notion, uh, you know, there's this notion of toxic masculinity that I speak about at times, you know, and we have to stop pressuring our young men to think that by 21, something's wrong with you. If you have a pitney, if you have two pitney, you know, I mean, as a member of parliament, I have interfaced with so many young kings, 21 years old, three children, 25 years old, four children and so forth. And they will tell you. Boy, MP, me never did ready for this, but you don't know the man I'm gonna laugh off for me, depend the girl in truck. Yeah. You know, and how if you look on social media, how we taunt young men in this country, every time there's Father's Day, what well, man you're 21, you're 20, you're not it, something wrong with you, whatever. But we have to kind of say that. And
0: words matter and language matters. It does. And it
1: also impacts because you also have you I mean, I remember one graduation when I said, you know, and our fathers who have children and so forth. And one man came up to him, he was very offended. He said, Oh, man, I have picnic, man get pitney. Only woman alone I have pitney. I must a bridging warm to you. You think says up here, a pair of shoes you a new bicycle. Wow. You have a child. This more you get pitney. Like, like you, you,
0: your whole thought process of what it means to be a parent. And that and that is generational but because course, that's what other
1: boys see.
0: You I know, understand. But, you know,
1: for me, it's, it's ensuring that 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 our children are raised with love, mm-hmm. with respect, and in a safe environment. You know, it's ensuring that we can provide for them whatever their needs are. You know, so I mean, when I was growing up, I, I never could do no kung fu or no swimming or no extra this or extra. Yeah, <laughs> no violin. Anything. No, it never existed. But I made sure that I waited, you know, until I was able to, until my wife and I were able to to make sure that our children have everything. So anything they want in a supermarket, um, education needs, any extracurricular activity needs, et cetera, if they want to go travel, to go see what Miami look like, You know, and I mean, and that's the beauty about waiting and making sure that you have advanced yourself to that point. To make the right decision. And even emotionally. Because Mm -hmm. I can tell you, after a long day's work, very, very stressful, when you come home, not many people can deal with like a baby crying, you know. So even when our women suffer from postpartum depression, Depression. you know, and just the kind of psychological upheaval that comes with having children, again, we don't speak about it enough, you know. But um, for me and my wife, it's been completely rewarding, you know, I mean, we have three children. I absolutely love those three boys. I mean, they are amazing. (laughs) And, you know, and and we make sure that we develop their individuality. So Alex is different from Athens, different from Amari. you know, and just knowing that they're in a safe place and loving home. Environment. For me, yeah. That's it, that's the win, win, win. That's the win.
0: My last question for you, Minister Terry Long, um, the program is about redirection, right? Our Mm. lives are, are, we're going down the road, going down the journey, we think we have things in control, we know what we want and life kind of, you know, throws little curveballs at you and we've had to adjust and adapt and to figure things out. Uh, In your, from your experience and through your eyes, how do you define, redirection?
1: That's very interesting. And before I go into that, I'll tell you a story in terms of how my life has been redirected. Mm-hmm. 2001, I applied to work at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs to be a Foreign Service Officer. I met with Ambassador Madge Barrett. She loved me. You know I mean? I was good on paper, we spoke, etc. I could not get an interview simply because of my hair. 2001, Kingston, Jamaica, I could not get a job, even an interview. Notwithstanding, I was qualified to work at the Ministry of Foreign Affairs and my life has been redirected. So in 2023, I am now a minister of government in the very same ministry where 21 years ago, because of my hair, I was not even granted an interview. So for me, redirection is about the universe positioning you to where you ought to be, positioning you so that you can play a part, not only in your personal development, but also in national development. And for me, that's the very essence of redirection, repositioning yourself so that you can play your part, so that you can have a say and how we go about advancing the welfare of of the the whole whole human human race.
0: race. I could not have thought of a better way to complete this interview, Ministro Terrelong, Muchísimas gracias por todo, lo agradezco muchísimo, mi amor.
1: Gracias para ti y todo tu equipo para invitarme aquí, para compartir mi vida contigo. Fue un momento muy especial para mí, lo agradezco mucho.
0: Oh my goodness, thank you very much. By the way, Tony Aiken, who is doing my sign language, is probably going to be like, um, guys, you're on your own with that. But really and truly, um, it has been a pleasure. I know you're a very busy gentleman. I know you've hit the ground running, and for you to take the the time just to sit and to share, I know that there is something, actually many things that you have shared that I know will resonate in the hearts of not just youth and just children, but even adults. You know, I think we all need great reminders of who we are as people and how beautiful we are as black people and how we might be rejected one year and the doors will open for us Mm -hmm. on the other side. Um, Guys, There you have it. I certainly hope, no, I don't hope, I know you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, whether you are watching the YouTube uh, version or maybe you're watching, you're listening, excuse me, via your podcast platform, thank you so very much for sticking and staying. Let us know your feedback. Let us know the parts that resonated. Let us know the takeaways. You can drop it in the comments. You can leave reviews. You can do your ratings. You can subscribe. And certainly you need to go ahead and share. And of course, use the hashtag TK Redirection so that everyone else can be a part of the conversation until then we will see you next sunday take care thanks to our partners mastercard heineken 0, Zero toyota jamaica spaces commercial concepts Breshe beauty brands by mds and go shore courier